information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. My name and my name is Ray Ellis, and you're listening to Ray Ellis Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters, and there are a lot of things that matter as uh, as this day goes on. And the most important thing to me, I have to say today, is my birthday. Yeah, that's right. I'm one of those. Guys. I'm committed. I'm working. It's my birthday, but this will be the last. I- I've made a commitment to myself. This will be the last birthday that I will ever work in the rest of my life. I'm going to have a long, long, long life. So just, just know if, if anything falls again, having to do with anything that's work-related on April 27th, from this point on, Ray Ellis will not be involved with it if it has to do with work. But this isn't work. This is fun. I enjoy what I am doing. I get a chance to talk to people all over the world, and they get to listen to me, and I get to give you my opinion. So let's let's get it started. Uh, one of those things I'm going to do in a, in a couple seconds, I'm going to have my good friend Henry Clay from Philadelphia join us. Uh, and we can talk about, of course, the draft. We can talk about what happened there in Philadelphia. In particular, um, I'd like to get Henry's comments when I speak to him about uh, the departure of Donovan McNabb and how that legacy will close out. We already know he has all the records there in that city of brotherly love. Uh, but we'll get a chance to talk about that. But basketball, man, can you believe it? Who in the world? Uh, yeah, before the series started, nobody can tell me that they thought after four games that the Lakers would find themselves in trouble. And and they are in trouble. Uh, because one thing about basketball, uh, basketball is one of the few sports of which you play where in terms of intimidation uh, it, it really it really doesn't exist in basketball because, you know, you can get physical, but you can only get physical to a point. You know, I always tell people in, in, in football, you know, you can go out there and you can talk all kind of mess, and, uh, but you can get hit. In, in basketball, the reality of it is if, if you get touched, if you get hit, really, it's supposed to be a foul. So you can talk a whole lot of noise in basketball. You can run your mouth, but nobody can't put their hands on you because it's a foul. So the only thing that could possibly prevent somebody who has a lot of confidence in being successful is their lack of confidence because you're shooting the ball. If you feel like you can put that ball, that, all of a sudden that rim looks like it's like 90 feet in diameter, just wide as can be. You can't miss it if you try to. When you get hot like that and your hand was on and your defense is on, you feel like you can beat anybody. 
And you got some young men out there that's running up and down the court like deers. And they got a lot of confidence. And Durant, come on, he's the leading scorer in the NBA. You don't think he's got confidence and now his teammates have confidence? And Kobe, Kobe's been playing basketball for a long time. He's only, what, 31 or something like that? But Kobe's been playing basketball for an eternity. The body will break down. It's time for, the, for his supporting cast to, to step up, for, for the transformer to transform himself. Odom needs to step up, in a, step up in a big, big, big way. We could very well see the Lakers being eliminated in the first round. Now, I don't believe that. I, I'm a Kobe Bryant fan. I think that Kobe, like Michael Jordan, can will himself. He's that good. He can will himself and his team to win a game. But I think he was and has been depending on his teammates to perhaps maybe win a few games. And perhaps they may. But I don't think Kobe will just let the ship sink without him giving it everything he has to give. And, and that hasn't happened yet because he hasn't gotten to the point where it's a game seven. If it's a game seven, Kobe will carry that Laker team on his back. And to get to an elimination at 4-4, Right now, I think we we're looking at a you know we're looking at that seven game series. You know, it, there's a possibility that he can get it done in the next two games because the next two games are at home. That that could be a possibility, but you know, Kobe and his team right now is in some trouble. Uh, okay, I already told you it's my birthday. Some other people's birthday. Let me say this to you too out here. Facebook, my Facebook friends, my Facebook family, talking about love. Man, did they show me some love. I told them they had me boohooing all over the road. You know, I mean, I, I, I get to the office, I open it up, and it's like, wow. And a fan that I got that didn't say, you know, shout out, happy birthday. You know, Kwame, man, I can't I wait till I see you. I'm going to run that Range Rover off the road. You turn that 7-2 around and make that 2-7. That's all I am, 27 for life. You know, but uh, it, it's been beautiful. All those Facebook fans out there. Uh, particularly people in Canton, Ohio, holding it down. Thank you for all the love that you've shown to me. The people in Philly, thank you for all the love. People all over the world, that's that OJ's thing, you know that. Thank you for all the love that you've shown to me. Well, I'm going to show some love because, see, I, the reason why I do what I do here is because when I was leaving the city of brotherly love, see, I'm one of those guys, I am not afraid to ask questions. If I don't know something, I don't know somebody, I'm going to ask an expert. And I asked the expert in the field and he said to me, if you are going to Phoenix, Arizona, you need to call this person. You need to schedule a meeting with that person. And ever since Henry Clay gave me those directions, I followed those directions. And I've had a relationship here at Voice America Sports. So today, I always like when I have the opportunity to do this, I want to welcome my good friend onto the show with me today. Henry, how you doing, man? First of all, happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You had a lot. You <clears throat> And I'm about twice your age. <laughs> well, that, that there's hope. That means I, I, I can live to be twice my age. Yeah. Well, let me just put it this way. Uh, I had my birthday party last year, and it was last year. 45,000 people showed up. 45,000? It was at a Phillies game. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's the way to throw a party, though. That's a party. Hey, man, I, I, I think, you know, I, when it comes to something like that, and since my birthday is in the spring, uh, you know, it would have to be a baseball game. But I, I got to say, Henry, we're going to start talking about this. I was blessed because my birthday is April 27th, 
and uh, I think I got drafted uh, the day before my birthday. I think I was drafted. I have to go back and check, but it was either the day of or the day after or the day before my birthday in 1981. I got a chance to be drafted, and so, uh, you know, this time of year for me is always, it's always upbeat, and it's upbeat for a lot of people, but I know you and I haven't had a chance and so I didn't get a chance to, to get an expert opinion from you who, who've been there and covering uh, the Philadelphia sports teams for so long, seeing people come in and leave, uh, seeing people come in with great fanfare, seeing people come in being booed and, and then turn those fans around and those fans embrace them. And then they kind of kick that person out the door. So we've seen all those things happen in Philadelphia let me get your perspective, your wrap-up of how the draft, you know, treated the Philadelphia Eagles this year, or how the Eagles treated the draft one way or the other. And, of course, a couple comments about that departure of uh, Mr. McNabb. All right, let's first draw the draft. All right, this is my 35th season covering the Philadelphia Eagles. All right, now this, I've had two really strange drafts. And I've been sitting here with a uh, a ball in my hand trying to figure out which was the strangest. When Buddy was the coach, Buddy Ryan was the coach, who the people there in Phoenix know all too well, uh, he said, uh, I'm not going to, the draft was two days. He said, I have, I'm not going to come in the first day, but I'll come in the second day. So they announced that they had, hired, they had drafted Fred Barnett, wide receiver. Nobody. Next morning we get there. He walks in and says, I just drafted Calvin Williams, wide receiver. So you guys can go home. Uh, I traded the rest of the picks away. <laughs> <laughs> and the guys, who we were, well, which you know Veterans Stadium as well as I do, we were all in the media room. And everybody said, Buddy's kidding. Well, I went out to uh, outside for a second, and I see Buddy getting in the limo. And I went back in and told the reporters, hey, guys, Buddy wasn't kidding. He's gone. Wow. Now, this draft this past weekend, and if you followed it, you know, on uh, any of the TV networks or NFLmedia.com, uh, uh, they were the Eagles were trading up, they were trading down, they were trading around. Well, they ended up with the most players of any team in the National Football League. Now, I've got a strange, and of course, the media here has all kinds of um, theories as to why they did all these crazy moves. I think the first two players, being Brandon Graham and Nate Allen, were drafted for 2010. There's some pretty good football players that they drafted, you know, trading down, trading around, as I said. They didn't draft them for this year. They're for down the road, and they feel that because they were not higher picks, they can sneak them through waivers and put them on the practice squad and build for the future. Well, that's an interesting philosophy. I, I, I wouldn't say that I've heard that by too many people out there. But uh, do they have to go through waivers if they're brought into training camp in order to be uh, assigned to the right. practice squad, don't they? Uh, aren't they? Aren't they allowed so many people that they can just put? On I think it's a. I think the new rising, and I'll tell you who the, the guys that I think he drafted strictly for the practice squad 
One is a quarterback named Mike Kafka. Kafka, I heard it pronounced on one network, Kafka, and I heard it on the other word, Kafka, so I don't know. Mm-hmm. All right? Um, he's out in Northwestern. Northwestern runs the West Coast offense. He's young. As you, as you alluded to earlier, Donovan Nab was actually was uh, traded to Washington, mm-hmm. and as of now, Kevin Cobb is our starter, and Michael Vick, of course, is number two. So I'm thinking that they brought this kid in either to be number three, or they feel that when you get to the cutdown date, they may be able to slide him through and bring him back to the practice squad to learn the system. For down the road. Okay, Henry, we listen. We got music. We got to take a break. You're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I got my friend Henry Clay with me from Philadelphia. Covered the teams for a long time and still doing it. We'll be right back. Comprehend the guidelines. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. From high school to the pros, we, we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the 3 is very much the one to beat. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spicer, especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins next week, I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter, formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. Get ready for unpredictable fun and sometimes a sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Yeah, it's been a long time coming. But you know what they say, Kanye. 
slow motion better than no motion. I walked in the crib, got two kids and my baby mama laid. All right, we're back. This is the Rail Sports on the Voice American Network. I'm in Phoenix, doesn't like it matters. Uh, talking to my friend Henry Clay and and, and Henry, you were you, you were discussing before we went to break there that perhaps maybe that Andy Reid has come up with a unique way of which to build his team in the future, and that is to draft some guys that you have deemed uh, for your practice squad, and, and hopefully uh, he can protect those guys. Some of them can be you know put on the practice squad, but some of them may have to go through through waivers. But one person in particular that you mentioned that's that quarterback. Uh, out of Northwestern, uh, what are they saying about him there in Philadelphia? Is there a chance that uh, I'm sure they, they're not expecting him to come in and, and to compete uh, right away? Because I think you know that crown has already been given to Kevin Cobb. Cobb, am I right? He's handed the job. Michael Vick is the number two guy. Now, is he going to be on the uh, sideline? And they also signed a free agent this morning, quarterback. Do they expect Kafka to be on the sideline in the, with a baseball cap and a business suit and a clipboard in his hand? I don't know. But I'll tell you another name to watch. His name is Charles Scott. He's a running back out of LSU. He uh, hurt his shoulder. And all the things they're saying is he hurt his shoulder in a non-football all-season accident. But the the footage I've seen of him, he's a big, he's 5'11", 238, but he's a bruiser. I mean, he just runs over people. And I think that the Eagles have uh, obviously, uh, they don't need a running back right now. They signed Leonard Weaver to a long-term deal. They've got LaShawn McCoy, who was last year's draft choice. They brought in a kid from Canada. Uh, so... So let me ask you something. So you you mentioned McCoy and Weaver, and those are two, obviously, the guys that are going to tote the majority of the load. Do you think those two backs can get us through the NFC East and win that division? Yes. And I know Weaver's Weaver's an all-pro coming off last year's, uh, you know, uh, his first all-pro season. But, I mean, it it was an all-pro season, but, I mean, was it one of those, like, wow, you know, real impressive all-pro seasons? Well, the kid they brought in from Canada, Mallet. Um, I think it's Mallet. I have not heard his name pronounced. All right, he was the number two rusher in the Canadian Football League. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, he's here to compete for a job, and Andy said he absolutely will compete. Uh, my cable system dropped the channel that carried the Canadian football, so I have not seen him play. Um, but. The, the numbers, the numbers in the media guide are there. Mm-hmm. All right, now when he get when he starts facing the Giants and the Redskins and there you go, and the Cowboys, that's a different story. It's a different ball game. Right. Um, hey, this kid uh, Scott, they may, but I did see some footage on him and uh, last year. And when I'm not lasting, not 2009, 2008, he was quite a workhorse for LSU. Well, as you said, he, he's he's coming off some injuries, so we're, we're going to see. We're going to keep our eye on him. But uh, but certainly there was a safety that you told me about last year that the Eagles had that uh, we were expecting some good things from him. Did that ever happen? Uh, yeah, he, he did all right. There are, and they signed the uh, safety of Marlon Jackson. 
They signed him as a free agent. He's supposed to come in and be very productive. Uh, they paid him a lot of money. And uh, the, the, uh, the, the defensive backfield should be very respectable this year. You know what you've got with Asante Samuel. He's not a, a heavy hitter. But you have Quentin Michael, who is not, he's not Brian Dawkins by any stretching of imagination, but he's not far behind. Well, I mean, that's saying a lot. I mean, even to say he's not far behind because, uh, you know, uh, no doubt in my mind that if, if Brian would have left the Philadelphia Eagles when he did, and if he, even if he didn't go to Denver, but he went to Denver and, of course, played in another Pro Bowl, uh, was certainly a, a selected as another Pro Bowl player, uh, you know, I think that just adds on to his resume and uh, probably no doubt about it, a first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, you no know, question. So, so for anybody, to be, you know, named to be mentioned in the same conversation as as a Brian Dawkins, uh, of course, that's, uh, you know, that's saying a lot. But uh, it, it will be interesting to Philadelphia. Philadelphia is always one of the cities that they want to keep it interesting. Uh, yeah, I'm going to change the subject on you, you know, because I know, you know, what the, the interest in the city right now is. I'm going to change it to another sport. And uh, one young man, and it was on the football field, really hit the lottery in the baseball field. Howard gets a $100 million contract. He got a hundred and twenty-five million. A hundred and twenty-five million. I can't. Even, I can't. I can I can barely count to hundred twenty-five. Now you want to make it million? Wow. And you're smarter than I am. So you know, but I'm lost. Wow. Hundred twenty-five million. I mean, we we. But we're. That's where we're at today. I mean, that's where the sport is at. A hundred million dollar contract. It's not the first. You know, I think he may be about the fifth or sixth athlete to get a hundred twenty-five million dollar contract. But unlike ba football. Uh, the majority of baseball and basketball contracts are guaranteed money. So uh, maybe you can help me out. Am I wrong? But uh, w w w will he see all of that money? Yes, he will. And he's, he's a very fine young man. He's, his parents are incredibly great people. And the other thing is when he goes off the baseball field, he goes right to the broadcast booth. He's a uh, graduate in broadcast journalism. And uh, he's very well spoken. He studies the game, and like I said, he'll just walk right up through the stands to the broadcast booth. Well, I'll tell you what. Hopefully, it'll be a long time before he walks off of that baseball field uh, into the broadcast booth. Because that 125 million dollars, how many years they signed him for on that one? He signed through 2017. Well, 2017. Well, well, that's not a real long time, especially to make 125 million dollars. Lord. Uh, there won't be another contract for this young man, I can assume, right? Yep, there will be. There, there, will, there will not be, I'm saying. There will not be. I mean, this will be it. I mean, 125 and done, right? I mean, how much more can he get? Uh, uh, that is true. But running back to something, what you just said, which was actually said by Commissioner Goodell on on Saturday. He met with some uh, the media and it was by selection the media and um, some selected fans. One thing that was questioned, a fan asked him, how much money will the players drafted this weekend probably make in their rookie year uh, as a group? And he said, of the people drafted, we were probably talking a payroll of $400 million. And that doesn't, well, see, that doesn't surprise me, only because I know these numbers. And, uh, you know, last year's numbers, I, I, I don't have them at my fingertips, but th those it's been hovering around that number for some time. But, but Henry, w w I say that um, about, you know, will that be his last contract or, you know, 
wow, you know, how high can it go? It can go extremely high because the revenues are there. That's one thing about it. I, I think sometimes when people ask those questions, they're not aware of how much money is generated by the sport. And so the players are paid a percentage of that which is generated of those gross revenues. And so whenever they think, wow, that's an astronomical number, it really is right in sync and, 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 and you know, just a piece of what comes in. And so, I, I, you know, I'm happy for the players because they're getting the chance to participate in the revenue that they're helping generate. I mean, we all know without the players on the field, uh, it takes the coaches, it takes the administrative staff, it takes the owners, you know, it takes the field crew, it takes everybody involved. But if the players are not there, and, and you've seen it, you've witnessed uh, teams trying to put in subpar athletes, that's not what the fan wants to pay top dollar to see. The fans want to pay top dollar to see top-notch ball players perform. That is exactly correct. I mean, you hit it right on the head. Um, the Phillies' last uh, not unsold-out game was like last August, and it was raining and cold and yucky, right? Now, they put 45,000-plus in that place every night. I'm told, and since I don't get around that much anymore, that we have the highest-priced merchandise shop in baseball. And the lines are forever. That's why I haven't been in there. You can never get in there. All right? They've got a, a cable contract and a regular television contract. Uh, they have a series of games on the national. So when you talk about paying Ryan Howard $125 million, you're saying, okay, Forty-five thousand with the highest ticket price. I think it's sixty dollars, and the lowest price like twenty-two or something. Okay, they can afford to pay that. And every game's on TV. Um, and uh, all right, let me let me give you an example. A pretzel is five dollars. A big Philly pretzel is five dollars, and a Coke is six fifty. <laughs> that way now you could buy a dozen pretzels and a dozen you know cokes for for that price and, and so we all know that so that's you're right you, you're just showing people of which they don't take the time when they hear those numbers they don't do what you're doing clay and you you actually Henry, you actually are sitting there and you're actually figuring it out mathematically what here's where the money's coming from you're paying six dollars for a coke you're paying $5 for a pretzel, and you're wondering how are they going to pay people? You're paying them. The fans are paying them. Well, he just hit on something. Actually, my profession is, uh, which I have done for many, many years, I am an accountant. So. <laughs> yeah, so see, so the numbers really don't, the people that are close to the game, it doesn't really baffle those people because, you know, we, un we understand the money's there, and we also understand that these people are negotiating contracts with projected revenue, but they know that that revenue's there. So they're paying him, you know, to 2017, but they know that in 2015, 2016, 2017, that that money's going to be there because they've already, as I said, they've already forecasted what those revenues are going to be. All right. Uh -oh, we, got some, we, we got some music, so we're going to take a break again. Henry, I got Henry Clay with me today. It's my birthday. Wow, that rhymes. <laughs> you listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. I'm going to take a break and we'll be right back. 
be mama lady. Uh oh, uh oh, uh oh. So I had to dig what I had to dig, cause I had to give. school to the pros we we cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports so andy serling packed his bags left the city and is enjoying his temporary digs in saratoga but that won't stop us from bringing you playing to win the best online handicapping show for serious horse players catch andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of august on location from the beautiful saratoga race course he and his guests are some of the best in the biz they bring you new insights to making money and they tell it like it is i'm three five one in this race but the three is very much the one to be we're going to completely disagree on this race i absolutely despise her especially at one to two and it's anything but the same old horse racing show this is a nine horse field but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras playing to win with andy serling a show seriously committed to making more money at the game but with a personality this is a dunce cap horse for me if this horse wins next week i got the dunce cap on you bet.com's playing to win presented by the daily racing form look for it the day before big race days mostly fridays find a complete schedule in the daily racing form or click on playing to win at you bet.com Joe Cribbs, No Average Joe, is here for you, the fan, to hear about and discuss the week's top stories in the world of sports. We'll discuss not only the headliners, but you'll hear some of the smaller stories that don't usually make it on the sports wires today. It's a forum for the sports fan, hosted by Joe Cribbs, a three-time pro bowler with the Buffalo Bills. Joe is a 10-year pro football veteran, a former Southeastern Conference Most Valuable Player, and a member of the Alabama Sports Hall of Fame. Discuss the topics with Joe Cribbs, No Average Joe, Mondays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Network. Dialogue is the single most powerful leadership tool we have to make a difference in the world. Leading conversations with host Cheryl Esposito creates a place for that dialogue. Tune into the Voice America Business Channel every Friday as Cheryl hosts new conversations among leaders from around the world in business, government, art, economics, and social change. We'll explore big ideas and everyday actions and learn how their own leadership has led them to discover a newfound sense of possibility in the world. Leading conversations with Cheryl Esposito, bringing big thinkers together in conversations that make a difference right here on the Voice America Business Channel every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Network. I'm in Phoenix and living like it matters. A man who I consider a friend and certainly a mentor, Henry Clay, is with me. Uh, Henry, before we went to break, of course, we were talking about all that money of which uh, finds its way throughout professional sports, in particular how some people ask the question about, you know, how high will it go or, or when will it stop? Uh, I want to change this. I want to stay somewhere in that money conversation, but I, I want to talk about it. I want to take a different approach to getting to the money topic, and that is, there was a young man, 
Now, we, you and I earlier were having a conversation, and we brought up Brian Dawkins' name in that conversation. Uh, there is a young man out of USC, Taylor Mays. Now, Taylor, he can be, he could be, end up being, uh, he could be a Hall of Famer when his career is all over with. You know, the, the man has some things he has to work on, and I don't think he's as fluid around his hips as he possibly could be had he had taken the time to work on that. But but I read some things a couple times, uh, well, a couple in a couple articles over this past weekend. And 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 I'm going to say, you know, I, I've spoken years ago. I'm going to say it was two years ago. I had a conversation with with Taylor's dad, who's a former NFL player and and just he and I were having a business conversation, but then, of course, we, we had a conversation about his son because he actually thought I called him because of his son, but I didn't. I called him about business. And and, and during this conversation, uh, at one point in time, as we talked about Taylor, you know, just my opinion, he, he, he asked my opinion about players leaving early. And because football is, is such a game of which, you know, it it relies on your body and you being healthy. And there is just such great chance of one getting hurt that whenever you can minimize the chances of getting hurt and you can increase your chances of going to ahead and perform uh, on the National Football League stage, I think if you're ready for that, you should take advantage of that. Taylor Mays could have come out last year, and I think he would have been perhaps maybe, you know, certainly in the first round, maybe even the top 10 or 15 picks. From what I understand, from what I read, Taylor was, you know, he's, he went and he actually asked for the advice from his coach, Pete Carroll, you know, and, he, and who, who he trusted dearly if he should stay or if he should go. And, and, and also inquiring if I stay, what, if I need to stay, why do I need to stay, what should I work on, what do I need to work on? Well, that man stayed. And whenever you stay in the NFL, somebody gets your money. If, if you stay and it doesn't work out the way you anticipated working out, you, you could lose a whole heck of a lot of money. Now, I'm not sure. There, there are two people. Taylor's a second-round draft pick. Mark Sanchez is a first-round draft pick. These are two men of which Pete Carroll suggested that both of those men stay in college and play football. One stayed and lost a ton of money. One went to the NFL and performed as one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Now, my question is, Pete Carroll's, what's the motive? I mean, these, when your chance comes for you to leave USC and go to the National Football League, you, you go. You leave. You leave these, all these young men that you bought out of high school and told them to come to this great university and you were going to be their head coach. You leave and you go. But when it's time that two young men trust in you and they ask you your advice and what do you think, you tell them, don't go. Now, one of them goes, you know, he's in the playoff. Another one stays and he loses money. He drops out of the first round. I just want your opinion on what do you think the motive of Pete Carroll could have been possibly and as he directed these young men? And wow, what do you think about when he decides to leave and go, he tells them to stay. Is it selfish motivate? What is the motivation? Or does he just not know how to judge talent? Because if he tells them to stay, the only reason why he's telling them to stay because he's telling them they're not ready. Mark Sanchez goes, performs like an all-pro. 
Taylor May stays. He would have been a, a first round. He stays. He's a second rounder. Give me well, some. First, give, me, give me some feedback. Well, first of all, I am. I'm, I'm old school, and I think kids should go to college at least for two, three years. And I think if you look at the numbers, you were talking about basketball earlier. The Philadelphia 76ers have the youngest team in the National Football League. You mean the Basketball League? In the, in the National Basketball League. A Basketball Association. All right. Now, they went 27 and 55. Um, and they, by the end of the season, you could have put the crowd, it would not have filled up a high school gymnasium. Uh, at the, and at the prices that they charge, again, very high, the, the fans said, no, we're not going to come out and support this. Uh, will this will these young men develop? Probably. Will it be a good team four or five years down the road? Probably. I'm a firm believer that kids should get as much out of college before they enter the NBA, the NFL, um, Major League Baseball, because they have the farm system, that's a totally different animal. Um, and as, as the National Hockey League, which also has a farm system. But the NFL and the NBA, which bring these young men out of high school and even out of, uh, out of college early, yes, they make a lot of money. Yes, they do. And I want to see everybody to make everything they can. But uh, I think that some of them come out too early. And they end up not fulfilling what they could have if they had matured a little bit before they got here. So, so in the case of Taylor Mays, in the case of Mark Sanchez, uh, are you saying that these young men were not ready for the NFL? Because I certainly think they both were, and I believe they are. Mark Sanchez has proved that he was NFL ready. And there's no doubt in my mind, I, and you and I had this conversation off the air, I, I would have been I would have been thrilled to death if the Philadelphia Eagles would have taken uh, Taylor Mays as their first round draft pick. Well, uh, not, there are exceptions to every rule, and I too wanted them to uh, draft Mays. Oh, is that right? Okay, okay, okay. All right, there are exceptions to every rule, and my my rules too are <laughs> my rules also. Okay. I mean, Le LeBron James is probably one of the top most top three or four most. Uh, dominant players in the National uh, Basketball League, National Basketball Association. Right? There's an exception. Mm-hmm. All right? These two young men, I'm sure they, they they were in good college programs, and they probably will do. I wanted to see Mays. I swear, and when I watched him in that bowl game, I mean, he just was all over the place, making big plays. Mm-hmm. All right? Yeah, he's an exception. All right. I mean, he will do very well whenever he comes into the league. And going up to Seattle, which is a city that is a patient city, it's not like Philadelphia, which you are accustomed to, where you got it. When you step on the field, you have to be an all-pro. You don't have to be that in in Seattle. Yeah, you're right about that. And and I but but you know here's here's what I kind of and me and you may be saying the same thing, but saying it differently. And I think that you think that these young men need to stay in the college ball until they're prepared and ready to go to the NFL. So, in other words, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much agreeing with you on that. I don't want a kid to come out that's not ready to come out. 
But when a kid is ready to come out because of the chance of injury, I think that he should come on out. And when a coach does not encourage that kid that, yes, you're NFL ready, I've been there, I've coached there, as a matter of fact, you don't know this, but I'm going there myself again too, uh, you're ready to go. So I, I would think that, and here's a, here, here's a, a very eerie and scary thing, is I heard the commissioner on the NFL Network talk about their partnership with colleges and universities. Now that, I could not believe that he would actually go on television and say that they have a partnership. And it was, I believe the coach sitting there from maybe Tennessee or, or Oklahoma, or one of those schools was sitting. I could not believe that he sat there and talked about a partnership. Now there is supposed to be a clear division between the NW, you know, N2, NC2A and professional sports. There, there is not supposed to be a relationship with those two. I mean, even so much of the draft, okay, we're looking for, they, they can kind of justify the combines and going uh, to having pro day on sites because, again, active recruiters from corporate America do the same thing when they're looking for eligible students who are about to graduate. So in that sense, it's very much the same. But when you talk about a relationship, I mean, I, I, I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's legal. I mean, I, I, I would be careful, and I'm sure the man's an attorney. I'm sure his language, he, but to me, hmm, I, I kind of draw the line there because there's just something that's not supposed to be right about that. Players don't go in knowing that, okay, the NFL has a contract with, you know, Ohio State University. So, man, you know, when I'm working for Ohio State University, going to school for Ohio State University, I'm really working for the NFL. Is, I mean, what does he mean by a relationship, you know? Well, let me put it this way. It's been there. It was all de facto. It was behind closed doors. It's always been there. And he put, But he put it out there, and that's exactly you're, – you're right. We all know that. I'm just being, you know, facetious as I'm saying it like that. But I, I wouldn't think that he would publicly say that. And I, I, I would almost bet you that the legal department slapped him on the hand and said, Roger, you can't ever say that again. You can't ever say our partnership. You can't say that, that the partnership between – you know, the NFL and the NCAA, you, you can't, in college football, you can't say, you can't say that. Well, and I think that when you look at some of these institutions, and I'm going to say something now that may uh, raise a few eyebrows out there. Uh, you're going to have to wait, Henry, because we got music, and whenever we got music, we got to take a break. You're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. We're going to take a break, and we'll be right back. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need a bitch's ass and then move on. I just just think that the coach made a mistake. All crazy. (laughs) NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. 
We some hard hitters. We some hard hitters. Hard hitting radio is a new kind of sports and entertainment show. Your hosts are NFL veterans Mark McMillan and co-host Byron Evans. It's an hour of hater-free radio every week. You'll hear interviews with top athletes, celebrities, coaches, and fans. It's humor, hits, and conversation. Hard hitting radio is on with McMillan and Evans. Listen Fridays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Network. Joe Cribbs, No Average Joe, is here for you, the fan, to hear about and discuss the week's top stories in the world of sports. We'll discuss not only the headliners, but you'll hear some of the smaller stories that don't usually make it on the sports wires today. It's a forum for the sports fan, hosted by Joe Cribbs, a three-time pro bowler with the Buffalo Bills. Joe is a 10-year pro football veteran, a former Southeastern Conference Most Valuable Player, and a member of the Alabama Sports Hall of Fame. Discuss the topics with Joe Cribbs, No Average Joe, Mondays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Network. Hey, football fans, are you ready for an intelligent discussion about the Buffalo Bills and the National Football League? Are you tired of listening to talk show hosts that have never played football? Instead of answering your questions, they prefer to listen to themselves. And when they don't like what you're saying, they just cut you off. Well, that won't happen on the Jeff Nixon Sports Report. Keep it clean, stay relatively calm and rational, and the discussion will flow well. Join Jeff Nixon Monday afternoons at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Sports Network. to the pros we, we cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports uh-huh uh-huh cheer uh-huh. rihanna uh-huh good girl going bad uh-huh, uh-huh. take three uh-huh. because this is the shortest segment of the show you listen to rail and sports on the voice america network i'm in phoenix for living like it matters got my man Henry Clay, of course, on the line with us. And, uh, Henry, I want to apologize because I had my good friend Kwame Lasseter on. I think Kwame wanted to get into this, some of that conversation with us. But uh, I was so tied up into the discussion you and I were having that I, I wasn't paying attention to my board. So I know Kwame's going to you know, blame that on my age because i got another year. But that's wisdom. But, but anyway. Hey, well, again, let's don't even talk about age, please. <laughs> Well, that's okay. I'm looking for that twice as, as, I, was, as old. I, I was. I was, uh, you know, an old man when you hit the uh, AstroTurf at, at Veterans Stadium. So let's don't talk about okay. it. Okay. Well, listen, man. It, it, it's a pleasure to to get uh, an opportunity to talk with someone uh, who has uh, such great wisdom. And uh, let, let's just say this now. Um, you know, as 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 we talk about, you know, Taylor Mays, we talk about the Philadelphia Eagles. We talk about, uh, you know, we talk about Pete Carroll. Uh, it, it, we talked about you know the Sixers and and what's happening with that team and and what's appropriate to come out and when to come out. Um, you know these athletes today. Th- there's so much going on. I mean, th- it, the sport has always been that that thing that crosses all barriers. You know, that put to put away all the ugly side of America. So I'm so happy when sports is real vibrant and, and there's energy and there's good games going on and things are happening because people are happy. In the Valley right now, I mean, they are happy as could be. The Phoenix Suns are winning 
uh, their series. You know, uh, uh, the Coyotes uh, are closing out a game seven tonight. You know, possibly they, they could win. So you know how it is when, when sports is, is vibrant, your team is hot, and they're winning. But, but this, this, this game is about young men and, and, and their lives and what they could possibly do. Henry, you've been covering sports for a long time. Uh, there was a, a choice that I think was made in the draft this year, and I think it was a choice on character and not necessarily on talent. And, and I'm going to ask you, you know, of all the years that you covered sports, how important has it been for you to critique a player and does his character come into what you write about that player when you're assessing his talent because the player that I'm talking about is Tim Tebow it, it the man's a great he's a great young man he's a I'm telling you in terms of what he does in terms of his character he seems to be a model kid I don't know it's what again it's what I get from the reports but when it comes to what's happened on the football field, you've been around, there's been generations, and I'm not going to say it's a black-white thing, but it kind of is a black-white thing, but I'm not going to black-white. I'm just saying there was a time where people had all the ability in the world, and they couldn't play quarterback in the NFL because of their color. We're coming to a new generation where now this person may be the right color, but he doesn't have all the skills to play the position of quarterback in the National Football League, and Josh McDaniels drafts him in the first round. Does that make sense to you? No, well, as I said, it was a strange draft, but I'd like to allude something <clears throat> that you just alluded to. When Rush Limbaugh went on uh, that pregame show and made these statements about Donovan that he did, which, of course, he got fired for, that the media, the only reason that the Eagles drafted him because the media wanted to write about a black quarterback, it shows you how unprepared he was because Donovan McNabb was actually the, the, the fourth black quarterback the Eagles had had. Yeah, he was unprepared. I, I hate to cut you off there, but but Henry, we got Kwame Lasseter to join us, and I, I'm so glad he called me. He, he just made my birthday. You know, Kwame, my hero. <laughs> hey, was that birthday, right? Hey, man, I appreciate that, man. But, you know, we were just getting into a discussion, and, and, and Henry just touched on something about, you know, how far behind times Rush Limbaugh was when it comes to the Eagles having a, a black quarterback. I don't want to take this to the black-white thing, but earlier we were talking about, you know, of course, Taylor Mays and Pete Carroll holding him back, you know, and now we're talking about, you know, here we have a quarterback where years ago you could have all the talent in the world, but the skin color was the wrong thing, so you, you weren't going to play quarterback. They were going to move you to wide receiver or something else. Now the skin color is right, but in my opinion, the talent for the position of quarterback isn't there, and somebody takes a first-round pick and puts the franchise on his back, and, and you got John Elway to compare this man to. Is Josh McDaniels, you know, is his job in jeopardy if this, this doesn't work out, Kwame? You know what? You, you talk about the comparison to quarterback and what Rush Limbaugh said. Obviously, uh, these guys behind time and itself, and Rush still to this day still say a lot of crazy things through the uh, politics uh, forum. Um, it, I think Denver did um, Tim Tebow a great disservice and made him a possible bust because as a first-round pick, and you bring this guy in, I'm, I'm thinking you expect him to play in some shape or form. Well, you're not going to be the starter because you want to create a package for him. Well, and that's the case, in that first-round uh, pick at the 26th pick, 
in the first round, you could have picked up another guy who could have gave you more out of special teams, could have gave you more from the punt, kick return game, could have gave you more on the defense, could have gave you more in that slot. Uh, and he would have been growing. And then getting that guy, you would have had uh, four or five years of him playing right away. Tim Thibault can't play right away. And if you compare him to John Elway, you have created a bust. So uh, Josh McDowell is the quarter head coach over there. If he's uh, the guru he thinks he is, coming from different – uh, different uh, coaches, such as the one in Green Bay, such as uh, uh, the Notre Dame coach, then he's going to have to have this guy on the field right now. Yeah, and I'm like, Kwame, you, you and I were, you know, victims of somebody, you know, just overlooking us. And I, and I always felt like this. Somebody got my money. Somebody got my money in their pocket because I got drafted in the 12th round, and those rounds above me, I'm looking up, and they got more money than I got. Somebody got my money. So I, I'm sure there's going to be somebody within this draft that the Denver Broncos just had that's going to be looking at, uh, you know, Tim Tebow and say, you know, you got my money because I should have been drafted in the first round instead of you. Right, I, and I agree with that because I, I wasn't drafted, but I've seen a lot of guys in the first round were first-round bust. Now, Tim Tebow, he's a great pick for Denver, great pick. But if Denver would have waited three rounds, he would have been there for him, and they would have had him, you know, a three, a third round, four round guy, fourth round guy. You would have had him for four or five years, the first round guy, and for the, you know, he would have had time to mature. He wouldn't have to been on the field right away. But they got this guy, and they actually traded up to get him to be a first round. Now, when they, when uh, Philadelphia drafted Donovan, they didn't want Donovan. They, they, that's the city in itself, but they didn't want Donovan. But all he did was come in and make plays for him. You can't say he wasn't ready. If you say that, you got to say about every quarterback come in. You can't talk about Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. They wasn't ready when they came in. They came in and learned the learned the offense. They they had chances to do that, but they had to play right away. Well, and now, that's you right. can't take, you can't say Tim Tebow is a quarterback who can play right away when you had. Uh, quarterbacks in front of him who had better passing mechanics. Yeah, and Henry, that's why, you know, very seldom do you hear about a person being a second, third, or fourth round bust. You hear about players being a bust when you take them in the first round because as players, we don't expect that somebody's taken in the first round. We expect them to come in and play. We don't expect them to be sitting on the bench watching to be in a project. There's no such thing. Players don't like that. So as as one who's been writing and covering sports do you look at second, third, and fourth round players as being bust, or is it just the first round? And if that's the case, like Kwame said, why not let this man take some pressure off him and draft him in a later, later round? And we only got about 30 seconds for you to comment on that, Henry. You know, you're preaching to the choir, gentlemen. He, uh, you know, he could have gone much later, and now well, the media out there is not as tough as it is in Philadelphia, but they, uh, it won't be pretty if he, when he throws five uh, interceptions in the first game or something. And, and, I, and I hope that really doesn't happen to him. But again, you know, maybe this is a character league. Maybe they can sell more tickets with character players than they can with some guys, you know, who haven't been of uh, the type of character they're looking for. But listen, I ain't preaching for the bad guys. Fellas, you need to get it right. You're making too much money. You need to do the right things. Listen, appreciate everybody's hollering at me. Facebook family, appreciate it. Kwame, appreciate it. Henry Clay, much respect. Ray Ellis Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix living like it matters. It's my birthday. God bless me. I'll see you next time, which will be the best time. Music 
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.